Good morning and welcome to Radio Maria Broadcasting Live. And this is Just Life. Um, and today I have the opportunity to interview a young singer-songwriter by the name of Josh Morgan. Hello, Josh. Hi. And Hi. Where, where are you um, calling from? I am in uh, North Cardiff, a place called Tongwinlais. Got a got a view of Castle Coch. Remember sitting in my front room. Um, yeah. And we can hear your guitar strumming in the background. Before we speak about your songs, I just like to play um, something that you recorded recently to give our listeners an idea of the kind of stuff that you do. So this is um, Joshua James Morgan playing Parting Glass. <laughs> and for all the money that ever I spent, I spent it in good company. And for all the harm that ever I done. It was to none but me And for all I have done For once of went to memory Now I can't recall So fill to me The parting glass Good night and joy Good night 
So that was Parting Glass, and it was sung and played by Joshua James Morgan, who I have the privilege of speaking to today, who's calling in from um, Cardiff. And if you want to listen to that song, it's available on YouTube. Uh, if you just type in The Parting Glass, Joshua James Morgan, you'll find it. Um, and that was recorded just the other day. And... Um, Josh, that's because you're about to prepare to record a new album, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm uh, one track in. I've got one track recorded. Um, previously, I've done it in a very short time. I've kind of just just to save money, gone to a studio and <laughs> tried to bash out as many songs as I could in a, in a you know a few hours. Uh, this time, I'm going to drag it out over you know do a song every every week for about. 12 weeks and then i'll have something at the end lovely um so one of the things that i was thinking we could do today is i, I want to sort of um first of all just hear a little bit about you about your life as a musician um amongst many other very interesting things that are about you that we'll talk about and then i want to see if we can get into the mind of a songwriter and hear a little bit about the nuts and bolts that go on in writing a song because i think there's it's a particular kind of art form that very few people um know very much about and it's it's a very sure. interesting thing to do and i think there might be some people out there who either they just listen to music but they've never really thought about what goes into writing a song or mm -hmm. the people who uh, would actually like to write songs and um would appreciate some some tips from you so just to get to know you a little bit, I'd like to know, first of all, um, what did you have for breakfast and what book is sitting next to your bed at the moment? Uh, what did I have for breakfast? Well, I got two young children, so whatever I had for breakfast was immediately halved by that. Uh, so half a piece of marmalade toast is the answer. <laughs> um, and and next bed is, uh, I'm, not, I'm pretty good at putting books next to my bed. I'm not good at removing them, so... I've got a stack of about 20 books next to my bed, um, uh, mostly poems. The Mabinogion is the big one. I read a lot. That's the old Welsh myths collection that I keep rereading and uh, I'm doing a bit of work on. And just lots of poetry books apart from that. Wow. Kids and is, it, uh, is that in Welsh that you're reading it or in English? It is not in Welsh. I'm, I'm learning Welsh at the moment. Okay. Um, but that's, that's a bit of a leap for me. The original also is in uh, Middle Welsh, which is an extra. Well, it's pretty pretty tricky. I think yeah. if you read it out loud, it sounds like Welsh, but on the page, it's pretty difficult to decipher. So yeah, it's an English translation. Yeah. Are your um, children learning Welsh at the moment? Yeah, they are. My well, my eldest, um, he's three. Solomon, he's going to Welsh school, so I'm learning, learning alongside him. He's teaching me things. And what do you do? What's your day job? I'm an illustrator. Uh, I work a lot in schools, um, but I illustrate books of my own and other people's. And then I do lots of arts um, workshops and sessions in schools. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so um, some of our listeners might remember that I had you on air 
a few weeks ago, or it was actually just the end of last year, because you were doing a storybook about um, based on a Welsh song. Do you want to yeah. just say a Sean, few words about that quickly? Sean Corn, yeah. That's the, the Welsh Father Christmas. Uh, I went to a school and we illustrated it in a day. I, I talked to you just before doing that and we did it. And it was, it was pretty great. You know, I usually illustrate in solitude. So to do it with a big group of you know, fun-loving kids was a, was a good deal. And they were pretty psyched to have it done and in their hands afterwards. So, yeah, you should, I mean, don't buy it now because it's not Christmas, but you can buy it maybe <laughs> in December, Sean Corn. It's a good one. That's lovely. So I want to hear about um, uh, your journey of music. And I wanted to know, is there sort of um, a time when you can put your finger on where music was like the, your earliest memory of music? Um, um, well, apart from, you know, being sung to as a child. Um, uh, I, I grew up in church Um I went to a, one in Bridgend called Lichard Mission Church. So that's, you know, you don't go to gigs really as a yeah. kid. So I guess, you know, every Sunday being surrounded by lots of that kind of music, we like drawing, drawing on the floor in the pews and then hearing the old hymns there. That's one of the big ones. Um, also, I mean, it's a bit later on, but it's not really the first memory of music, but one of the most powerful memories of experiencing music as a child was just seeing and playing an electric guitar for the first time i don't know if you remember mm. doing that yourself but you know i was on some camp and uh, an older boy had brought his amp and his electric guitar and i played a little bit of acoustic already but the first time playing electric guitar was you know probably the singular most powerful feeling i've still ever felt in life yeah yeah <laughs> no i i can definitely relate to that i i can remember having a sort of um a giddy uh just excitement about the electric guitar and i think it had something to do with watching back to the future um and seeing yeah. michael j fox play johnny be good on mm. stage did you ever watch that film yeah yeah definitely so i i can't remember a time before that film when i was growing up so that was kind of yeah the, um i think wayne's world was quite big online that was okay a guitar though. and um so you said that you can remember being sung to was that your your parents singing to you yeah that was yeah my, my mom did a lot of, lot of uh, singing growing up um I'm, i've got her guitar here actually um oh, she she didn't well, she wouldn't mind me saying she didn't get very far with guitar she she learned the three chords that you need to know um, um but yeah it's, it's my my go-to guitar these days so it's a nice nice childhood association and i imagine if you hear the songs that your mother sang to you they kind of have that quality of just bringing you straight back to those early memories yeah I, well, much about having little children now brings all of the old things back you know her singing the same song she sang to me to them and you know playing with the old toys you know i get to see all the old batman figures i haven't looked at in in uh, however many years 20 24 years or something could you play one of them for us what one of the childhood songs yeah. <laughs> what was i sung to as a child but what do you sing to your children these days um <laughs> um I, I mean i could yeah i, I sing plenty too um 
the, the one main one I remember from being a child is just kind of the, you know, slightly incomprehensible ones. And then, you know, having a, having a kind of a, a beat drummed out on my back. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not sure how that would convey over radio. Uh, I'll play one though. I'd yeah. say this one um, on, that's going to be on the new album. It's probably one that doesn't make that much sense to sing to my children as well, but I've done it quite a lot. Okay. Um, it's based as a lot of my songs start out on a, a line from a poem and then it's a kind of leap away from that. It's uh, a ro- there's a Robert Frost poem called Birches, which is an excellent poem. Uh, but it's got one line that says, um, Earth's the right place for love. I don't know where it's likely to go any better. So it's based on that. And I, I mainly sing the chorus. The other bits don't really work as a, as a uh, you know, a lullaby. But... Right. Let's hear it. Yeah. Apollo could bring themselves to swallow the thing that they 
they saw So they turned away The wine was sour and melodic in its power And he heard the world as it was at the first And then he cried, it is finished And he died and in his breath he left Final verse He said earth is the right place For love I don't know where it's likely to go Any better than this Earth is the right place For love I don't know where it's likely to go Any better Than this Did I just hear the line, wine was sour, but melodic in its power? Indeed. Did you, is that from Frost or? No, it oh, was not Frost. That's really <laughs> lovely. Um, and is that one going to be on the new album? Yeah, yeah, certainly oh, will. That is really great. So you, um, oh, I want to speak to you about using poetry, uh, but I think I might save that for a little bit later. Um, yeah, lovely, very beautiful. Um, that was a treat. And um... yeah, there's a few, um, there's a few stories in there. It's nice to start with a start with stories as material too. Um, so it's got the whole like Prometheus, Prometheus bringing bringing fire to the world, mm -hmm. and then um, uh, what's it called? It's, uh, it's, What's her name? Smelly. I always, always remember because it, it sounds like smelly. Smelly <laughs> <laughs> and Zeus, and then, you know, they have a kind of a, a peculiar relationship. <laughs> and then, obviously, uh, Jesus Christ, and then imagining, imagining Apollo and Zeus's take on it. Right. Oh, so, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. So you, you're doing a sort of um, um, a Dante-esque thing there, merging the um, Greek uh mythologies with the the christian um <laughs> stories as well which is there's a long and, and venerable tradition of that um so let's talk a little bit about songwriting because this is really what, what i want to get um, under the skin of uh when do you remember the first time that you actually started to write a song is this something that happened like from the beginning of when you were playing the guitar and singing or did it come a little bit later or did someone encourage you? Like, tell us a bit of the story of beginning to write songs. Yeah, I, I was writing songs before I could write songs. Really, you know, I had a had a band name before I had the first idea about guitar or singing or anything. Right. So it was always always for that purpose. Um, what was the band name? It was called the Exiled, which was a completely inappropriate name for a bunch of middle class ten year olds. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, we were, you know, there was a lot of, uh, then once I started playing guitar, a lot of, a lot of, you know, bad punk songs about girls and riots and, you know, girls and riots and all those kinds of things. Uh, and then it got pretty heavy for a while. I had a good teenage band, but yeah, I, there were always, always songs being written. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess it's a process of you know, finding lots of people that you like and emulating through the years until you've, you've kind of amalgamated your own thing from, from 20 other people. Hmm. And what were some of the very first people that you emulated before you kind of came into the, you know, the style that you're in now? I mean, it was, it was very heavy music originally. Like I said, it was kind of 
the power of the electric guitar yeah. kind of taking me towards a lot of that stuff, which, you know, some of which I, I still like now. Not what I'd say from those uh-huh. like deaf tones and like, you know, heavy, heavy people like that. Yeah. And then moving through, you know, you essentially come across Bob Dylan at some point. So that, that was a few years, a few years gone down that Pearl Jam as well for the, for that previous phase. Mm-hmm. Do you like yeah. that album that was the soundtrack to Into the Wild? Mm. Yeah. Eddie Vedder, he's, he's, yeah, he's aging well. He's just got a great voice. Yeah. My brother actually is an excellent musician and he likes a lot of Pearl Jam stuff and Eddie Vedder and he's got a, he's got a pretty good Eddie Vedder-ish voice. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, your brother's name for those who want to find his music it's called kirk morgan he's also finished a new album recently which is excellent and it's you know they're beautiful songs and they're nice and wordy and they're all at least six minutes long <laughs> and 12 and it's on uh, it's on uh, band camp okay and he's collaborating with you on on this next project as well yeah yeah, he'll definitely be on a few of the tracks and we'll be playing playing gigs together as well. That's a large bit of the motivation as well, just to be out there playing together again. Yeah. Do you remember, so you said that you were writing songs before you before you could write songs. Um, I suppose that, that kind of speaks to this, the way that something grows out of its name, in a sense, because... Um, I think a lot of us have that idea. You, you might, if you're a writer, you think of a book title before you've written a book. Or, mm. I want to know if you can talk a little bit about that process of, of conceiving a song in your mind and and how you get from like nothing to a name to a song that you can play for us like you've just done. And um, maybe a way to help you do that is if you were to compare songwriting to something that was non-musical, um, like a craft of some kind, for somebody who doesn't understand songwriting, how would you do that? <laughs> well, it's a, that's a serious question. <laughs> so, so what I've done most of, apart from music, now is is illustration and drawing, and that involves a few years of giving a lot of my mind and thoughts and time to anatomy study, really because that's actually a large part of what drawing is, is kind of just getting to know what things look like rather than getting really good at making marks on paper. You just need to be able to see it in your head. Um, and there's a guy, I think he was teaching in the 50s or 60s, called Robert Beverly Hale. Um, he's a, an artist and an anatomy teacher. But uh, he made a, an excellent point which stayed with me, which was um, that to make anything with grace and skill that you need to have all of the the technical parts already completely ingrained in you and some of the thinking already you know well thought out and embedded in you so that when you come to the actual process of drawing as he was describing then you can do it with skill and grace and ease and if you see anyone who doesn't draw and you look at the lines they make on a page it's you know they can be (laughs) they can be kind of painful to look at because you can see the effort that's gone into it Whereas you see someone who's, you know, incredibly experienced, and by the time they're making a mark, they're kind of just following uh, their vision, and it's it's graceful and it's pleasing to look at. Um, mm. So, and I think something of that bears out in my songwriting certainly. That you know, there's a lot of good groundwork you can do before, in terms of preparation and 
um, yeah, your musical theory and lots of other things about the ideas you're putting into a song. But then once it comes to writing a song, it's more about following an intuition um, and you can't can't think about those other things. It kind of takes its own path and you just follow this little, you know, small vision in your head until you've got got a song at the end. Yeah. And they come they come more quickly because of that, I think. And well, I mean the good thing about that is you know, you write a song quickly and you you don't have time to get sick of it. Whereas if you spend five months writing it, then you probably don't want to play it by the time it's done. Hmm. Yeah, there's that story of um Bob Dylan and uh now his name's just gone for me. Um, hallelujah. Um, F. Buckley or Leonard Cohen? Leonard Cohen. Um, meeting and, and asking each other, how long did it take you to write? You know, <laughs> the, and I can't remember what the songs were that they asked each other. And uh, Bob Dylan, I think, asked Leonard Cohen first and it took him three years or something to, you know, to write. Uh, it wasn't Hallelujah. It was one of the other ones. Um <laughs> And then he asked Bob Dylan, how long did it take you to write, you know, subterranean homesick blues or something like that? And he said, ah, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's probably lying. <laughs> he's definitely lying. But but he did write I mean, very some quickly. Of songs, some of those songs he probably didn't even spend that much time on because there are some pretty bad Bob Dylan songs for all his... Uh... <laughs> yeah. But they say with songwriting, it's often about quantity. I don't know if you agree with that. Um, quantity? What do you mean? In the sense that uh, you just have to get stuff out as, um, because it's about keeping keeping it flowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, definitely <laughs> coming back to drawing, um, some of the best illustrators and advice I've, I've got from them is to not to buy a sketchbook, basically. Or to buy a sketchbook where you can kind of replace pages easily, because to you know to do a few drawings really preciously doesn't make you better. But to make yeah. you know to everything you draw to not want to keep or not think it, it has to be good or presentable, that's the way. That's the way you get better. And I guess if you write a lot of bad songs, then that's a good way of of getting to where you want to be. Yeah, um, I was I went to an art exhibition in Oxford a few years ago at the Ashmolean. It was a Raphael um, expo and they had uh, some really amazing uh, sketches, you know, unfinished sketches of his or, or practice sketches of hands and um, little studies in uh, kind of garments, you know, like you'd, he'd be focusing in on some folds in a in a sheet or something like that. Mm. And I was going through the, uh, walking with a friend of mine who himself was quite an accomplished artist. And he was telling me that he enjoyed those so much because they, it, they revealed something of, of the mind of this great artist and how he was busy practicing. Um, and I think that that comes back to what you were saying about how, you know, if you want to be a good artist, you need to be, you need to study anatomy first or for Raphael, it was the folds of a, of a cloth in order to make a, a beautiful garment. Um, but how do you do that in songwriting? How do you, um, cause this is something that I've thought about, like what would be the equivalent of, um, a sketch pad where you just, you know, sketching and throwing things away and, and practicing mm. like a hand or something like that. Yeah. I think it's probably just having enough, moves on your instrument uh you know whether that be your your singing or or playing 
um, that you don't have to think about as you go. That you can you, know, you can play along without looking, and you can you can make moves as they intuitively come to you, rather than thinking, okay, which or which you know which chord might be the logical next step. But you can you can move there as you as you're singing or playing, as the kind of idea comes to you. Um, like you're saying, but that you know, your friend enjoying, you know, seeing those simple sketches, you you, d you develop a kind of fingerprint of your own. You know, I know from your music and for other people's music that I enjoy. You know, it, even if you play the same style as someone, you can't you can't really leave that exact kind of fingerprint of of the combination of playing and singing. Yeah, um, yeah, it can't be fully emulated, and you also can't really get rid of it once you've you know once you've got it so yeah. and it's not a bad thing either i think some people try not to to fall into a certain kind of rut but there's a good way and a bad way of doing that as well um yeah. i think that your version of of parting glass is a great example of that because it's um it feels like it's very true to um what that song is about but you're also bringing something very uh very much of your own to it and it's a song which so many people have done that with. So to, to kind yeah. of join the conversation is quite quite a beautiful thing as well. Like Bob Dylan's done a, a version of it, which yeah, I think he has. It's um he changes the lyrics quite a bit. It's it's sort of like his um, reinterpretation of it, and I think it's on one of his first albums. Um, but um, let's talk about uh, songs that have influenced your songwriting and, and which you've kind of drawn something from and, and perhaps you'll have a chance to listen to a little bit of them. Um, where would you like to start? Well, it's not one that I that I sent you any link for or anything, but, I, you know, you mentioned Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm. um, it's this guitar, you know, my, my mother's guitar that is an old Latin acoustic. And uh, both of those things together have uh, brought a love of playing Latin acoustic to me. And just doing those those kind of Spanish finger rolls in the Latin Cohen style. It's extremely satisfying to play. Um, yeah, so Leonard Cohen also, you know, in that he is a poet primarily, and he uses music as a kind of case for the song, which is, you know, that's how I prefer music to be. And it's not the only way music is what it can be, but that, you know, as a, like a vehicle for kind of strange poetry is, is my best idea of what, what I like music to be. Um, and that, you know, that's often the way if I start writing a poem, then it'll often turn to a song or it could go vice versa the other way. Right. Um, which was the Leonard, was there a specific Leonard Cohen song that you mentioned? Um, uh, Famous Blue Raincoat is a good one. Okay. I don't think I know that one. Famous Blue Raincoat. Well, that was, like, I mean, you know, they're often pretty, pretty dour and slow. That was, um, <laughs> that was my, my morning alarm for a long time, which is, you know, I wouldn't recommend. Okay. <laughs> not get you out of bed. Um, so I, I, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you is um, when you were on this journey of writing songs, uh, was there a song that was kind of like a game changer for you where you could say after this, I, I've, I came into my own as a writer or I, I, this was the, the song where I could say confidently afterwards, I, I can write songs. 
Um, no. <laughs> I, I think, you know, partly I don't, I think the answer is no, because I was so confident so early on that what I was writing was okay. changing the world that it would, you know, they were all bad songs for a very long time. And I thought they were all excellent. So I don't well, know. Well, in retrospect, then. <laughs> well, in retrospect, um, there's a song I wrote in university, which is the last, or the, yeah, the last song that I wrote, or the first, the earliest song that I wrote that I still play and I still think is worth playing as well. Um, and that was called Long Live King Solomon. Okay. And it was also, you know, like the most elaborately recorded thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of, a lot of instruments and people and things going on. Yeah. Well, shall we listen to that? Because I think, I think that would be a nice um, sort of thing for us to get a, a window into, into this, um, way of of writing and um so here it is this is a long long live king solomon and this is uh when you're with your band in the good ship yeah okay let's hear it Yeah. 
us through it The procession poured and the voices crowd and mother sound of the horns as the feet hit the stair to the throne of bowing and low and run Instruments open their lips through the night to sing Long live King Solomon, long live King Solomon, long live King Solomon, long Long live King Solomon If you're wondering whose wonderful voice that was, that is um Joshua James Morgan with his band In the Good Ship. And um, we're speaking to him about songwriting and the recording that he's about to do. And um, that was really, really wonderful. Could you tell us a bit about that band? Is it still in existence? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. It was, uh, yeah, it rolled over a few years and it had a lot of different people in it at the time. And um, when it came to picking music back up more seriously, um, I figured if I use my own name, then I can't change my mind 10 years down the line and I won't be left with six different band names that I used. So I'm with my own passport name of Joshua James Morgan. Um, but like I said, that was, that was the most elaborate thing we recorded and that involved more than just the main people in our band too. It was guitar, um, three vocalists, drums, timpani drum, um, you know, tuba and trumpet, accordion, grand piano that was recorded on some desk that Elton John used to use, apparently. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely the biggest thing we've done. I think I just invited Ed, basically everybody I bumped into that played an instrument to <laughs> come and play on it. Um, There's something of Bob Dylan in, in that way of thinking as well. <laughs> Apparently he used to pick up people from the street and bring them into the studio. Yeah. Um, that was the band that we recorded. You know, it was, it's been seven years since I recorded um, the EP Libra, which is really, you know, I've recorded individual tracks, but that's the only other thing I've put out. Um, and that was, that was a kind of core band at that time for me. And then a drummer called James Cheer, uh, a vocalist and flautist um, called Esther Lou. Uh, my brother Kirk Morgan and Stian Vadoy on on keys. I'd actually like to ask you about um, the vocalist Esther Liu because that's one of the things I love about that um, that recording Libra is her harmonies are just so interesting to listen to. You know, she kind of like uh, does these things that you wouldn't expect, but they completely complement your your melody line where did you find her <laughs> uh where did i meet her i think maybe we did the same um youth club up in the valleys i think that's that's possibly where i met her um but yeah she's excellent i always thought the same thing that, she, that her vocals you know they were both very good and very competent and there was something slightly different about them that were you know enigmatic but yeah I'd, I'd like yeah i'd like to do some more music with Esther Lou. Maybe she wants to burn this album. I don't know. <laughs> is she? Uh, does she play for anyone else? Does she sing for anyone else? I don't think so. At the moment, I haven't heard 
and he oh, needs to that's a, that's a shame um well it, and tell us a little bit about libra that ep um like what was the process that went into putting that together the thought behind it and a little bit of its history hmm. um so it's called libra which is the constellation of balance and you know, balance in the universe and and the scales um so supposedly a bit about that and then also about you know the fact of constellations that we see them from a great distance and they seem to make sense and in the same way you know we have lots of these disparate elements going on in our lives and yeah maybe perhaps if we saw them from a great distance we'd would see the sense and shape of things but we probably won't, won't get to see that anytime soon hmm. that actually brings me to another question that i wanted to ask you and that was um, some perhaps unusual inspirations that have uh, spoken to your songs, you know, that things. So here mm -hmm. we talk about constellations and think about thinking about them philosophically or metaphorically. Could you put your finger on anything else? Yeah, I, I definitely have a good example, actually. Um, so when I was in South Africa, where I met you in the rural Eastern Cape, uh, my brother visited for a week and we were there for a couple of years. So I didn't see a lot of him. Um, and it was, it was a pretty special time, but we had, you know, one, one day of extremely peculiar combined experiences that then resulted in some, some kind of song, um, that we were, we were out, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere and, and, uh, on the top of these cliffs on a sunny day and watching these Southern right whales leap out of the water and crash in. And it was you know, extraordinarily beautiful. And then at that point we turned around and we got, mugged at gunpoint and <laughs> on our knees and there's gun in our face and then some other things i won't tell the whole story because it's pretty long but anyway um we didn't get shot and we ended up being that evening then in some some seaside restaurant and the, there was a power cut and we were sitting there in, in the complete darkness with calamari and wine and after yeah. seeing these whales jump and getting mugged and it was like something something had to come of all those things <laughs> together. So I've got this song that is a, is a kind of document of mine and my brother's week together and some of the experiences we had there. Um, and brings back, brings back a lot, a, lot, a lot of those strange memories in that, that day, particularly. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's not much of an advert for South Africa. Um, kind of yeah i mean no, I, I, that's also something I, I would like to i mean a lot of people come back with stories or like like to share negative experience of kind of crime stories in south africa and that actually wasn't it wasn't really a scary experience it was it was a surreal experience but actually a lot of what we were doing um out there um was you know meeting these these really excellent people and then the, some of which were just in a really difficult circumstance mm. and you know it's the case that it's there's the greatest difference of wealth in south africa and having you know the extremely poor with the extremely rich there's you know there's only one kind of outcome that could possibly come of that and you know this this it was essentially a kid who was who was holding us up you know we felt a great deal of of sympathy for him and you know who's just another example of you know someone who's who's had a bad time over there and has been you know served the raw deal in life so it wasn't you know we didn't come away traumatized or, mm. or terrified but it was it was just another thing that that showed us the difficulty that 
South African experiences. And the song that you wrote, I mean, what was it? Was it lighthearted? Was it... Um... Pretty lighthearted, yeah. It's pretty lighthearted, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling I might have heard that song. It was in my face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I wonder if... I actually want to play a little bit of this uh, track from Libra, just so that we can hear a bit of that harmony that I was speaking about. Um, and also just to give it a bit of a shout out, because it is available online if people want to listen to it and um this is if you google libra and the the name of the group um that josh had when he was was uh playing this was called in the good ship and good ship one word so let's have a listen to it. i'll just play until we get to that beautiful harmony um so listen out for it listening to that um but i think you get an idea of what i was talking about with those beautiful harmonies that just go into places that you didn't think they would and yet they completely complement um what josh is doing on the melody and um that is from the album libra by in the good ship written by joshua james morgan who's about to be um recording a new album and we're talking to him about songwriting and um, so one of the questions I had for you, and this is kind of, uh, it's asking a lot, but um, if you had to put together a crash course um, in songwriting, a five minute course in songwriting for somebody who really wanted to, to do that, like, give us an idea of some of the things that you would, you would do, just an outline maybe. Yeah. The first thing I would say absolutely is to not, consider the saleability of your of your art at all which is also coming from someone who has sold very little music <laughs> so isn't necessarily good advice it depends what you want out of it but yeah through illustration and books and through songwriting i found as soon as you think about it as a product uh it stops all kind of opportunities happening and um yeah it stunts it and it kind of destines it to just be a version of something else that you think has happened that people have bought. Um, so if nothing else, I would, I would certainly ask people to take that away to, to not consider, you know, if it's good enough, then hopefully it's, it's liked and it's bought, but to have that in the writing process is a mistake in my opinion. Apart from that, I would say, um, uh, to not be afraid of it being being very derivative in terms of musicality, then you know lots of the best best music that you 
you listen to or that you, you learn, you realize that it's made from these really, really simple components that have been used thousands of times before. Mm-hmm. And, and to rather try and make something that's a value to yourself and that has has meaning and it's about something. And that was certainly, you know, a lesson that I learned through years of writing things that I thought were musically interesting, but they weren't actually really about anything. And as a result of that, I didn't care about them a couple of years down the line. Um, but, you know, in lots of ways, my music's become more simple, but it's it means a lot more to me now. Mm-hmm. I'm taking notes, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For you specifically, <laughs> what you do wrong is, no. And that's why that I think poetry is, is often such a good leaping off point for songs because I used to have a poetry teacher in my university and he was a poet himself. And then he said every morning he would sit down with a cup of coffee and he'd read poetry until he had one kind of truth, which sparked him off. And then he would go and write what he wanted to write. I think just reading until you have some kind of appreciated truth about something, you know, it's, it's an idea that chimes with you and then running with that. And, And Usually that means that the thing you make bears almost no resemblance to the original kind of source. Um, But it means you're not starting with nothing. You're not starting with the idea of what you think a song should look like. You're starting with an actual truth that you care about. And then even if it's a terrible song, you've had that kind of meditation time over something that's good. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And then... You know, it's an easy trap to fall into is, is to do that. But then, you know, there are worse traps as well. To write a derivative song that is also about nothing is the very worst <laughs> case scenario. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lovely. And I want to talk a little bit more um, in the time that we have left about this, um, unless you're, you've got more to say about your crash course. No, I think that's good. That's yeah. Good. So, don't sell it. <laughs> say again? Just don't sell it. Just don't sell it. Um, the... The place where poetry and songwriting uh, overlap, that's to me a very interesting thing because there's some songs where you would, if you look at the lyrics, you, you'll hear it played and sung and you think this is beautiful. But if you look at the lyrics on their own on a page, they're just um, completely flat. You know, they they don't have any life to them. And yeah. so it's the way that they're sung that really brings them to life. Um, mm-hmm. And then... You have the opposite where a, song, a poem is just, it, it's supposed to be spoken. Um, you try and put it to, to music and you're actually destroying something in it, you know. Um, so there's this interesting place where I think poetry and music come together, where um, a song could stand alone as a poem and a, a poem could be used as a song. Um, would you agree with me on that? Like uh, uh, these kinds of distinctions that I'm making and, and what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I guess, like I was saying, my ideal of what I like music to be is a song to be a case for a poem and it, to take its own directions through that. You know, there are certainly things you can do through a song that you can't do just with a written, written word on a page. And um, you, know, you kind of get to accent the words with whatever you want. You know, if you say a say a cheerful word with a minor chord behind it, it's very different. Yes. In effect, or you say a you know a dour word with a like a major chord behind it, that's a different effect. It's kind of a you know its own kind of punctuation maybe. Um, 
but again, like you're saying, music can be something different as well. It doesn't have to be just the case for, for poetry. And, and like you said, lots of things that don't read very well if you just read the words are impactful when you listen to them. A lot of, I mean, this is a compliment and, and it's not at the same time. Uh, bon Iver, Bon Ivo, yeah. whatever he's called, um, I find a lot of his music really powerful. But if, if you read it on a page, it's kind of comedic. It's just yeah. nonsense. Yes. I've heard the same thing about some of I've heard the same thing strangely about some of uh, Stevie Wonder's stuff. Um, I think yeah. it was Corinne Bailey Ray who said that um, there are parts of it. If you just look at it, you think, well, what, what's this doing? And then you hear him and he's got these long kind of just whoa, whoa, whoa sections, you know, where he's, he's yeah. singing the ooze that you told me your dad doesn't like. Um, and uh People said the same thing about Dylan Thomas as well, that he was, you know, they'd say, well, it's all just sound. It's all just, you know, mm -hmm. nice vowels and consonants. But, you know, that's something that most other poets get wrong and they don't don't use sound enough. They they think about the, the logical impact of what they're writing. But yeah, the yeah. poetry should also be about an excellent sound and how that impacts on the impression of it. Ah, oh, you're opening up a whole thing for me here because I, I don't know if you've ever heard that quote by Tolkien. Are, are you a Tolkien fan? Yeah, I like Tolkien. So he, he talks about the how the sound of a word actually carries something of its meaning. Um, mm -hmm. And he compares the word silver to the word um, argent, which we don't really use anymore. And he says that um, argent is, is has a different meaning to silver because they sound different. Mm. And um, yeah. You, you wouldn't use them in the same place, even though they they both might talk about the quality of, of, of something that has a reference to that chemical, which we know is silver. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're in a different um, kind of phonetic in, incarnation. Mm -hmm. And um, when, we, when we become sort of dull to the, the beauty of the sound of a word, then we've lost something very uh, kind of powerful in... Yeah. language um, i guess it's more difficult with english because english is a, a latin-based language so it's primary you know it it's, has lots of very beautiful sounding words but its primary function is to be logical whereas you know mm -hmm. us, uh, from eastern cape where we were or welsh they they kind of originate from trying to trying to sound mm. like what the word represents yes and there's much less concern for abiding by you know a, a system sort of onomatopoeic i suppose yeah exactly yeah. We're, we're coming to the end of of our time and i just i we've been speaking a little bit about poetry as well so i, I want to end with the song that you wrote based on t.s Eliot's um poem um because i do not hope mm -hmm. is that yeah, wednesday because i do not hope yeah, yeah. and um Oh, I'd love to, to talk more, but just before we go, could you tell people where they can find you and, um, and, uh, cause you're about to record a new album and, and where they might be able to find that when it's available. Yeah. So, uh, it's fairly simple. We, I have an Instagram that's Joshua James Morgan music. So at Joshua James Morgan music. And so we're putting regular sessions up along the way on YouTube um, as again, you can just search Joshua James Morgan and once the album's out, it'll be on Bandcamp and Spotify. But if you go by any of those other places, then you'll find it. 
Lovely. Well, it's been so nice speaking to you. And here is Because I Do Not Hope from the album Libra.